I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode. I am feeling so good, if I'm being honest, sitting down to record today. I feel like the reason that I've been feeling so great these last few weeks is because, well, first of all, it's spring and I love spring. It's currently absolutely beautiful weather in Vancouver. Today, I'm feeling really good specifically. I just had my morning coffee. I've been feeling like I have a lot more energy recently. My sleep apnea treatment, which is my CPAP machine, has been improving steadily, which means that I'm getting a better sleep. And I'm just feeling really good about my life. And I want to celebrate those times because sometimes it does get heavy. Sometimes we go through cycles. And I want to feel just as comfortable sharing the positives and the lightness, if that makes sense. And we'll talk a little bit about what this current chapter of my life is looking like next week because we're going to be doing a whole episode on kind of entering a new era. I put out an Instagram story sticker just to kind of see if people were feeling the same way, if they're feeling that reset and kind of refresh energy right now and it was like 99% of people said yes and so I thought that was really interesting and worth a conversation but what I will say right now is I feel like anytime I feel this strong urge to move in a different direction let something go there is a period of discomfort and sort of dissonance in trying to decide whether or not I do want to let something go. I talked about this a little bit in an episode that I did a while ago about making decisions, but I would say the most uncomfortable part for me of evolving is that period where I'm still holding on to a former version of myself or former beliefs that I'm feeling a strong urge to move away from. And so I did experience a bit of discomfort in the past couple of months because I was feeling this kind of change happening and I couldn't really put my finger on what it was. I felt myself gravitating away from certain things in my life and moving towards other things, but there was still this attachment to my old identity or my old beliefs, like I said, and that's the period that feels uncomfortable. I think it's also necessary to kind of discern what direction I want to move in, but I think the reason I feel so good right now is to have released that discomfort by kind of making a decision and being intentional about what direction I want to move in and then just letting those things go. And again, we'll get into the specifics of what that's looking like for me next week, but I just kind of wanted to share. I'm feeling really good. I'm feeling really light right now and I'm excited about not just my own evolution, but 
anytime that I go through a personal evolution, so does my online presence, so does my podcast. And so I'm actually really excited to see where this goes. And one thing that I'm really excited to get into, which has been a piece of feedback that I've received now for a while, is some of the more kind of casual lifestyle conversations about moving to a new city, about friendships, about relationships. And so today's episode is kind of going to be a follow-up to a previous episode that was extremely popular which is all about friendships. Now, I might be in a bit of an echo chamber because I'm very interested in the topic of friendships. I feel that my focus in my kind of character development has started to shift away from career because I'm feeling really good in that realm and is slowly transitioning more into my personal life and specifically into my friendships. So what better time to actually revisit this topic, share some of my updates since that conversation, share some new themes and reflections, and also just talk through some of the themes that you guys have shared with me as well through that anonymous submission link that I put out, which I just wanted to touch on for a brief minute before we get into the episode because my observation thus far since switching from putting out Instagram questions. So I would ask a question and ask for your input for the episode. I am now trying out a type form, which is anonymous. The benefits of that are obviously the first one, it is anonymous and a lot of people have said already that they prefer that. And then the second thing is it allows for slightly longer responses because some of the topics that we're discussing, the Instagram question sticker doesn't really allow for much elaboration. So already just from the responses I got for this episode, it was really cool to see how much detail people could go into. And I think that will make for a really good conversation. So that link for the submission for the podcast will be in the show notes moving forward. It doesn't just have to be for specific questions that I put out there on Instagram. It could also be a piece of feedback that you have on an episode or a question for a future episode, something that you want to see discussed, whatever you kind of feel like sharing. So just wanted to put that out there. It'll be in the show notes. And With that said, I'm going to make a very awkward transition into today's episode. Now, as I mentioned, we've talked about friendship before here. I did not go back and listen to that episode before recording this one, but, and and the reason I say that is there may be some overlap, but I think I've just thought about it a lot more since then. And even when I did record the first friendship episode, I knew that I wanted to do a part two. I just didn't know when. Now feels like a really good time because as I said, this has been a huge, huge theme for me in the last few months. And I would start off by saying that the reason I think that this has been such a prominent theme in my life has been that I started to slowly realize that I had actually not prioritized friendship in the way that I wanted to for a number of years. Why? I think that moving out of environments like school and like working in a sort of colleague environment where you're interacting with people every single day, I subconsciously started to shift my focus away from friendships and more towards personal development, personal growth, relationships, 
and my career. Now, I don't fault myself for doing this because first of all, I think it's very natural to focus on your career after graduating university or kind of in that period of your life. And second of all, with my focus on kind of my own mental health, that was in response to sort of a mental health crisis. Now, what I've kind of taken away from last chapter of my friendships has been I can go through these things while maintaining friendships. And we'll talk a little bit about vulnerability, but one of the themes for me was that I felt on some level while I was kind of working on myself and in a sense healing some some things that I had to distance myself from people. I didn't really want to be seen in my vulnerable state. And there was also this underlying fear that people wouldn't accept a new version of me. I made massive life changes in the last, I would say, like four years, five years of my life. And there was an element of worrying what people from before those big changes would think of me. And after having kind of reflected on that and remained connected with a lot of those people and reconnected with a lot of the people that I kind of lost touch with while I was going through all of this, I realized that the people that are here to stay, the friendships that are going to last, are going to be with me through those ebbs and flows, are going to be with me through different evolutions of me. And the same goes for me. I'll be there for them. In the event that I go through a certain evolution and I lose a friend, obviously that friendship was good for a certain chapter of my life. It doesn't mean that they'll never re-enter my life, but I kind of had to dispel the narrative that people wouldn't accept me if I evolved away from certain aspects of what they knew me as. I found that with many of my friends that wasn't true and again I also wanted to come to the acceptance within myself that my own evolution was what was important to me and that the friends that were going to stay in my life were going to accept me for that and also again accept that some people ebb and flow throughout your life. Some people are there for certain chapters and that's okay too. There's nothing wrong with having friends that maybe aren't lifelong friends. It doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with having people in your life for certain periods of time. So that's kind of the first thing. And then the other thing is with the focus on relationship and how that kind of pulled my focus away from friendships in a way that I don't think it was intentional at the time, but looking back, I it's just an adjustment that I've wanted to make now, kind of in hindsight and moving forward. So what do I mean by this? I have mentioned before that my current partner, Jamie, is my first long-term partner. So I think that I really heavily bought into some of the narratives that I was hearing about partnership that you should be seeking that one person to be your everything, to be your other half, to be your rock, to be your foundation, etc. And so what I think happened as I look back is that I think, and it's not like I abandoned every single one of my friendships. What I think happened in the initial phase of my relationship is that because I was single for all of my life leading up to meeting my partner, I invested a certain amount into friendships and understandably so when you have a new person in your life you are investing a new amount of energy into that person 
Now, what I think I did to an extent that it's, again, it's not like I abandoned people, but I pulled my energy away from certain friendships and put it into my relationship in a way that I think was not to my benefit in the long run. It actually probably wasn't even to the benefit of my relationship or my friendships. The reason that I'm having these realizations now and over the last couple of years is because I actually don't believe that it's healthy for me to be seeking out one person to fulfill all of my needs. I've mentioned this before, but I think that I'm realizing that community and connection for me is like everything. And the expectation that I'm going to get all of my social, relational, physical, emotional, community needs met by one person is not realistic and it's not what I want. I want to be able to maintain a diversity of connections. I want to be able to express myself with different people in different ways. And I think that the way that I look at it now is kind of like we're all puzzle pieces for each other and we all fit with each other in different ways and different people bring out different aspects of us. And I think that it's really healthy to have a diversity of, like I said, connection and community and having people that will be there for you in the ebbs and flows of your relationship and of different areas of your life. So I share this because I know that it's a common thing for people to have that realization that, okay, wow, I may have drifted apart from some of my friends as I focus more of my energy into this relationship. And I don't think that's a bad thing. And I don't think it's something to be ashamed of. But for myself, it's definitely something that I reflected on. And I could see projecting into my future of, do I want to continue with this kind of I guess, disbursement of my energy? Does this feel like it's going to be the most beneficial to myself and my relationships moving forward? And what I realized was I need to kind of rebalance and I need to kind of take a look at how I relate to friendship and work through that. I think that honestly, friendship has been a bit of an overwhelming and to be honest, triggering if I were to reflect on it a little bit further, topic for me since childhood. And there are so many reasons for that. I think we all can probably relate to that on some level. But because of that, I think that one of my responses has been to avoid vulnerability, avoid closeness, and avoid just... I. I don't want to let people down. I don't want other people to let me down. I don't want to feel some of the feelings that I felt in friendships in the past. And there's a deep, deep fear of abandonment and of exclusion that has permeated my experience with friendship, I realized, for basically my whole life. The reason I share this is because it's not always been the easiest for me to navigate, but what I realized is it's really important for me to navigate some of the wounds that I have in relation to friendship and some of the fears that I have. And that has also played a big role in my own personal relationship with myself, specifically with the narrative of, you know, the whole people-pleasing thing. If who I am 
and how I express myself, how I navigate this life isn't enough for someone, is it okay for me to walk away from that connection? Because I deserve to be connected with people who see me for who I am, who value my friendship, who value my presence, and anything less than that just isn't necessary. I feel like a big theme for me growing up was to fight for that attention from people that really were never going to give it to me to begin with. And this reflection made me realize that I do find vulnerability to be difficult in friendship because of this deep fear of abandonment. But I sort of talked about this in the episode about building trust, about how I believe that it's not really possible to get to a certain level of depth with someone if we have these walls up and if we aren't allowing that person to see us for who we truly are and, you know, let people in. We can only get so far with that. And I began to realize that this kind of fear of abandonment and this fear of exclusion was not allowing me to get to a certain level of depth with people. And so because of that, I kind of feel like I would keep people at an arm's, what is it? An arm's reach? Arm's distance? I don't know what the phrase is. I would keep people kind of a little bit removed from seeing who I truly am. I wouldn't want to communicate how I truly felt. I would find it extremely hard if someone made a passing comment that I would then ruminate on. But I did begin to realize that in order to cultivate that depth that I was looking for, I would need to begin to address that within myself and to find ways to communicate in a way that I feel safe and to find the people that I could communicate with and share those things with in a way that I feel safe. And I would never want to deny myself of the desire for feeling safe. So I've accepted that there are certain friendships. Maybe I don't share certain things and that's okay too. Which brings me to my first point, which is about the different kind of categories of friendship. And I feel like some of my overwhelm with friendship came from thinking that all of my friends needed to be on the same level of connection and I needed to have the same sort of dynamic of relationship with all of my friends. And you hear this a lot. I've mentioned this before about, you know, I used to kind of think that surface level conversations were bad and even kind of having surface level friendships and relationships were bad. Now, I actually don't really think that to be true anymore because again, it comes back to having a variety of connections and they can all add value in different ways. We don't have to necessarily, I believe, have the same level of depth across all of our friendships. Now, if we only have those surface level conversations and friendships, that's where I think we can long for deeper connections, but to completely write off any kind of surface level friendship or connection or conversation, I think I would just say isn't necessary for me specifically. Now, something that helped to really manage my overwhelm and that helped me to reflect on my friendships and sort of categorize my friendships was just to kind of think about the different categories and think about who is in each of those categories for me. The first being the people that I feel really connected to, that I feel really comfortable with, that I can have deeper conversations and that are reliable, 
and that I really want to deeply connect with and that I see myself deeply connecting with for potentially a long time. Now, this kind of first category, I think, is helpful to understand who is in that because these are the people that I would want to feel comfortable with setting boundaries, having difficult conversations, having a certain level of standards where those friendships are really nourishing and really valuable to both people. These are people that I want to feel extremely safe with and I want to be able to rely on and I want them to rely on me. My reflection on people in this kind of category is that I actually think that it's difficult for me to have a great deal of people in that category. In order to cultivate like really strong, deep, long-lasting connections, for me personally, with my capacity right now in my life, I feel like it's unrealistic for me to expect myself to have a bunch of people in that category. And I feel like that's a key difference in how I used to feel when I was younger. I felt like I wasn't worth a lot if I didn't have a ton of best friends. Whereas now I really do think a couple of really, really deep quality connections is really important. And it's okay if that's like one or two, three, four, or whatever number I feel comfortable with and I feel isn't overwhelming. And then also to be able to really be able to articulate with those people my expectations to understand their expectations and my energy and my effort in the friendships kind of category of life is really being put in large towards those people that's what I think has been a big shift for me and I think that thinking in this way and not having expectations from people that maybe don't fall into that that category and understanding that it's okay to have people that I have a different quality of relationship with has actually really taken the weight off some of my relationships and some of my friendships to also understand that things ebb and flow maybe for certain periods of my life there are certain people in that category that then kind of fall into a different category at different periods and understanding that I will fall into people's category for certain periods. The whole thing, it just kind of takes the pressure off some of the people that I would say are in a different friendship category. Being comfortable with having friendships that are still adding value, that are still fulfilling, but, but excuse me, are in a different category. So we have that first one, which is deep, deep connections, deep quality vulnerability, people who I can trust, people who I feel safe with, people that I'm putting effort into, I'm setting boundaries, etc. Then we move on to people who I still feel very connected with, I still feel very close to, but maybe it's these aren't people that I'm necessarily going to be having the same level of effort with, the same level of reciprocal boundary setting or deep vulnerable conversations but that is okay and these are people that I can have fun with that still add value and we add value to each other the relationship is still equally as nourishing it's just just a different 
quality of relationship. So maybe these are people that I'm not constantly in touch with. I don't always know what's going on in their life. I'm not constantly texting them or calling them or FaceTiming them and, you know, knowing all the updates. But when we do get together, we have a lot of fun. We can reconnect. We have great conversations and this just for me takes the pressure off some of these relationships that maybe are more, I guess, I don't even want to say surface level, but maybe I don't see every single day or aren't as close as some of my other connections, but are still equally as valuable. And a good example of this would be, let's say you like to go out and you like to party, but you have a group of friends that you go out and party with and you have a great time with, but maybe these aren't the same type of friends that you would necessarily sit down and have a deep conversation with. Well, it doesn't mean that the friends that you go out and party with are not valuable friends. And I think that thinking in this way that we have to have that same type of connection, at least for me, first of all, felt like a lot of pressure, felt like I had to put so much effort into so many different connections. But also, it kind of made me sad to think that I didn't value those type of connections just as much as others, if that makes sense. And then I think sort of the third category is people that are more acquaintances that we would see at a party, for example, and are great to hang out with, but maybe we're not investing as much of our energy into keeping up with, you know, going on specific outings with, getting together with, but we really do still enjoy their friendship and we enjoy seeing them and we enjoy catching up with them. And To kind of summarize this, I guess, categorized approach to friendship for me and how this helps me is number one, it saves me a little bit of energy and feeling like I have to spread myself so thin and have the same level of investment in all of my friendships. Number two, it helps me to realize that a diversity of connections is valuable and also, you know, fun and pleasure and joy and Doing specific activities with people is equally as valid as being able to have deep conversations with people. And then number three, that the recognition that my social needs are diverse and I can have a variety of connections in order to fulfill those social needs. I guess the last sort of reflection there that I kind of touched on is that it's okay if these categories are small if there's not that many people in them because I can invest a great deal of energy in my friendships to be divided by a small number of people and that's okay. I used to feel sort of like I had to have a bigger circle of friends in order to be valid and I just think that was overwhelming for me and now I'm so much more comfortable with having smaller circles And still being open to, again, having that level of sort of surface connection with people and not writing that off as valuable in my life. Going back to the point I made earlier about not expecting one person, i.e. a partner, to fulfill all of your needs and how friendship is actually equally as valuable. This makes me think about my late grandmother who had one of the most vibrant, active social lives of literally anybody I know. She was so connected to her community. She had lifelong friendships and people that were there for her to the very end and that she was there for. 
I witnessed them supporting each other throughout all of the various things that they would go through throughout their life. And I would also witness, you know, you hear about how women tend to have a longer life expectancy. And I witnessed a lot of the women in my grandma's circle, their partners pass away and then them continue to maintain this vibrant social life. And my grandma was just so healthy and so involved and her friends really did seem to give her life and that was just such an important lesson for me was again to to recognize that these are the people that are going to be there to support us throughout all of the ebbs and flows of life and to not to not lose sight of that and not only like anecdotally is that true in its importance but I remember actually as I was going to record this episode this book that I read years ago and it was called the blue zones and this person or I guess this group of people I can't really remember they were studying different areas of the world where there seems to be a higher percentage of like elderly people as in people live older and I just remember something that stood out to me in some of the studies that they did was how important it was for people to be socially connected and I remember specifically there is this community where the people studying these groups of people went in and observed and there were these women's circles and this group of women would get together every Sunday let's say and I just remember reading that and being like oh my gosh this is how I want to be, not just now, but into the future. I think having had this example of my grandma and her connections and her friendships and how much she put into them, how much she got out of them, as well as seeing some of the research on how friendship and connection can contribute to our longevity, it it has just made me realize how important that is and also made me sad about how that doesn't really seem to be emphasized as much as, say, career progression, career path, wealth, etc. It has been said over and over again, so I don't really need to say it again, but people are going to be the ones that are there for you when the job goes south or when the relationship goes south or when something tragic happens. It's the connection, I feel, that helps to carry us through those moments. So again, if you're anything like me and at some point you've lost sight of that or you'd like to reprioritize that in some way, it has been really helpful for me to remember that and to know that, you know, no no matter where I am on the, like in that journey, whether it's I have no friends and I feel really badly about myself or I have a good group of friends and a healthy group of friends. No matter where I am in that journey, it's always possible to reach out to people. We're all here for each other. And if you feel lonely and you feel like you don't have that connection, think about how many other people are feeling that way. I think my one insight with my own journey And with talking to you guys about this is 
how similar so many people feel. I feel like one of the big barriers to putting ourselves out there is assuming everyone else has it figured out. But the reality is if we want to connect with people. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at MintMobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. First of all, there are people out there for us to connect with and who will accept us, and who we can feel safe with. I truly do believe that. But, you know, we just have to start somewhere. And I really don't think it's worth shaming ourselves for, you know, not having been the best friend in the past, or not having prioritized it in the way that we wanted to. My attitude towards anything of this nature is, here I am, I've come to this place where I've realized that I want to reprioritize it in a new way, and let's start fresh and let's put ourselves out there in a new way and let's reconnect with people or make some new connections. Okay, so let's get into some of the submissions starting off with friendship themes, jealousy and fear of my best friend finding other friends. By the way, this is me reading a submission. Sadness and embarrassment that I'm not my best friend's best friend. Okay, first of all, can we normalize the fact that 
jealousy in friendship, I think is very normal. I was talking to someone in my life who is quite a bit older in their fifties, and they even said that this theme has followed them throughout their whole life. And for me, if I were to reflect on where that comes from, I think it's kind of that lack mentality of if this person cultivates a stronger connection with someone else, I'm going to be abandoned. I've had to work through that. I've had to address why I feel that way and how that affects my behavior because I think jealousy can be felt on both sides. If I feel jealous of a friend, I think that they can feel that and I don't think that that's a good feeling to be on the receiving end of. And you know, it can also feel like possessiveness and that doesn't feel good either to be feeling like you're possessive of someone or to be feeling like someone else is possessive of you. So I certainly think that first of all, it's an important thing to normalize that we can talk about it and not feel ashamed of it because I think it comes from a very valid place, at least if I were to reflect on why I feel that way. But I think there's two conversations to be had here. When you say sadness and embarrassment that I'm not my best friend's best friend, one thing that comes to mind is this could be coming from a wounded place or this could be coming from a valid place of not feeling like your needs are being met in a certain friendship. I also don't think that it's 1000% necessary to, like for me, I've moved away from using the term best friend, especially because I think that that just, like for example, if someone says, oh, my best friend, and you're friends with them, you kind of feel a little twinge of like, oh, okay, like I'm not your best friend. I think it just creates this dynamic of feeling a little bit excluded if you don't meet that top tier or that top point and to know that you're on the receiving end of that. So I've personally moved away from using that term because I actually don't feel that I have one and I think that that's okay. And I think it's also okay if you're not in that top position for someone else it doesn't mean that you're not still valuable to that person but like I said if it really is a matter of not feeling valued or not feeling like your needs are being met in a friendship and feeling like someone's attention is all being put towards someone else and in a manner that is not valuing you I think that's just a good opportunity to communicate you know, specifically where your needs aren't being met. If, for example, you're you're witnessing that this friend is scheduling so much stuff with this other person and never really putting that same investment into you, then I think it's important to clearly communicate that issue or that kind of feeling that you have. And, you know, one thing that I've experimented with, I won't say I'm an expert on communication and friendship, but Something that I've experimented with both in relationship and in friendships is focusing on how something makes you feel and not being accusatory because I think the moment that we're accusatory to a friend or to another person, the natural reaction is to be defensive and then that can feel really bad to be on the receiving end of someone being defensive about your feelings. I think it's harder to be defensive about saying, hey, I'm just feeling a little bit upset and hurt that I haven't been really feeling like this has been reciprocated by you I think it's a lot harder to communicate in that nature because again it requires opening up a little bit more and being a little bit more honest about our feelings but I think it's harder to 
disagree with that and to be defensive about that. So if, for example, someone tells me that they're just genuinely feeling upset because they haven't felt prioritized, how can I argue with that? And that would be like something that I would probably do in a friendship if I was feeling like justifiably jealous and what I mean by that is if I could actually look at the friendship and say hey my needs aren't being met here but I'm witnessing this friend give everything to someone else and really not give anything to this friendship but then there's also the other side of jealousy which I think comes from a more wounded place which can kind of be I think it can create unnecessary conflict in a relationship where it can very much be a personal experience that is just looping in our subconscious from a previous experience that we've had. So for example, for me, I've mentioned this a thousand times, but this theme of being excluded has followed me for every friendship that I've ever been in because now I kind of have this subconscious fear of being excluded And even in situations where that's not the case, I'll make a narrative out of nothing. This theme of also jealousy, I feel like when you're in a friendship group, let's say with like a couple of people, can also be difficult because I think it's still healthy in a friendship group for people to have individual connections. So let's say you have a group of four people, I think it's still healthy to have one-on-one hangouts with each person in that group. And if I get jealous that I see two of those people hanging out without me, I think that creates an unnecessarily kind of uncomfortable dynamic. And so addressing why I feel jealousy that two people are fostering and nurturing their relationship, which really has nothing to do with me, I think that is also healthy. So in conclusion, I do think that jealousy can come from a genuine place of not feeling like our needs are met And this is just me speaking from my experience. I'm not suggesting that I'm like an expert in the theme of jealousy. Or I think it can be more a personal wounding that we can address within ourselves in order to not allow that to permeate every one of our relationships moving forward. And I would say that if you are, like something that I've done as well, is if I am experiencing that kind of wounded behavior, it's not to expect ourselves to immediately be like healed from it and be able to navigate all friendship without that experience of jealousy. But even being able to like communicate that for me is very freeing to just like, hey, I'm feeling jealous. I know it's not really justified, but like I just wanted to share that with you and it's not your fault. But if you notice that I'm feeling a little bit jealous, I just want you to know it's not about you. Um, this is a personal experience that I'm having and you never know what conversation that might open up and I think again it's very very hard to just be so honest with our feelings but if it is that best friend category for me personally that's what I want to be able that's the level that I want to be able to communicate at anyways so I'd rather just be honest about how I'm feeling okay so this next submission is a bit of a longer one I once had a friend who was like a sister. We had all of the same hobbies, interests, etc., but she was never happy for my successes, which fed into me trying to people please and never feeling enough. After being so close for years on end, our friendship ended very suddenly when I expressed the need to create some healthy boundaries. How can I move 
Oh, sorry. However, I can never seem to move past the pain that break caused and her perception of me. How can we honor old relationships while growing past the pain? Ooh, this one, this one hit. I feel like something that has been a big theme for me as well, and this is like the kind of feeling I got reading this, was the real heartbreak we can feel from a friendship ending. I have one And I wouldn't say it was like a friendship breakup. It was more just like a slow drifting. This person was my absolute closest friend growing up. Like we spent all of our time together. We went through so much together and that friendship ended or I guess just fizzled. And it still to this day holds such a heaviness in me. And I don't really have an answer for how we can relieve that because I do think that it makes sense. Like it's hard to have a friendship for one period of our life that was so impactful and so profound. And you have a lot of good memories with that person as well, as well as kind of difficult memories. And for that person to no longer be holding the same place, I think especially as we get older, for me, it's difficult to, you know, be going through milestones that you thought that best friend would be there for. And, you know, they're not and that they just don't have a place in your life anymore. I do think that that is challenging and I don't really have a good answer for that but I think the grief that we feel in kind of mourning an old relationship just it just tells us how important that relationship was to us even if it was hard in different ways and I think that it's kind of like grieving a person like who's passed away or even grieving like a breakup Do I think that there's any real way to alleviate that pain in general? Not necessarily, but I also think that like you said, if you can never seem to move past that person's perception of you, that's where I think that it can be hard to move forward because I don't think it's necessary to forget or try to erase pain. I just don't personally know that there's a way to do that other than to like grow and find new connections and to just sort of slowly heal with time. But at the same time, if the the kind of hold that person has over us is hindering us from being able to move forward, that is something that I think just requires reflecting why does that person hold such an important part in our life even though they're not in it anymore if that makes sense so why am I still a little bit worried about this person's perception of me and a good example of this for me not even from a close friendship perspective is just like people from high school you know you worry about what they think of you especially when you're like in my position and you're putting yourself out there on social media and you know those people are seeing it why do I actually care and what am I actually seeking and even the experience of wanting people to be happy for my success and wanting to people or wanting people to accept me I think is almost like a waste of time so for example in the case that this person mentioned I almost even think wanting people to be happy for us sometimes sets us up for failure because not everyone is going to be and not everyone has the capacity to be happy for us. Of course, we want our close friends to be happy and to celebrate our success. But what I've realized is like 
half the time if they're not it doesn't have anything to do with me and trying to correct the fact that they're not happy for me and trying to like get them to be almost sometimes makes the situation worse and I asked someone close to me recently who was like talking about how someone close to them never really is happy for them and never really celebrates them I just asked what would it change for you if they were happy for you and if they did recognize your success? And I'm not saying that like we shouldn't have that expectation for our close friends, but it's kind of like, what are you seeking from somebody else to then give yourself permission to be happy for yourself, if that makes sense? And the only reason I say that it is that is something that I've done. I think it's not necessarily just with friends, but we can even think about our parents, wanting our parents' approval, wanting our you know, society to think that the way that we're living is valid, etc. But why do we need that in order to feel good about ourselves? It's just like a, a reflection. Of course, it feels good to have people happy for us, but is it a requirement is the question I have for myself for me to just move forward with my life in the way that I want to. Okay, let's read another submission. It says, The feeling I'm currently experiencing in nearly all of my friendships is the grief of knowing we love each other, but at the same time knowing that we cannot be what we know the other person needs because of personal limits, aka capacity, energy, time, etc. I'm really struggling with things or sorry, I'm really struggling with things being like this, but also feel unable to do anything about them. Yes, I had this exact same realization recently, but, and I'm always just sharing from my perspective and my experience. I don't know which side you're on in the spectrum, whether it's you who feels like you can't be what the other person needs or vice versa, where I, I've been on both. I've been on the side of the spectrum where I've felt like I can't be what someone needs from me and vice versa. And the most important thing for me is number one, remembering that relationships are allowed to ebb and flow. We can go through periods where we our energy is being consumed by certain elements of our life and to have people in our life that understand that I think is good, but also to remember that people like relationships still do require energy and if we feel completely abandoned by someone for extended periods of time that's not going to feel good either and so for me the most important thing is communication and recognizing that actually your standards are valid your needs are valid your needs for feeling valued in a relationship even if that feeling or even if the expression of that value ebbs and flows over time we still want to feel like that person is thinking about us and that person is there for us if we need them. Just like we want to feel that in a romantic relationship, we also want to feel that in friendship. We want to feel valued. And for a long time, and I'm not sure if this is coming through in this submission, but I kind of feel like it is and I could be reading this wrong, but for a long time, I personally felt shame about my needs in friendship. I felt like I was asking too much. I felt like I was putting too much pressure on my friendships. And what I began to realize was number one, having this categorization really helped me to be like, okay, I don't need to get this same level of energy investment from everyone, nor do I expect to receive that in return. Who are the people I would like to have that reciprocal relationship with? Do I feel right now like 
that is being met on both sides? If not, what can I do about that? Can I communicate it? Can I have a conversation with someone? And if the answer is right now, I or that other person doesn't have capacity to provide what one party needs, do I trust that it's okay that the friendship will last and that we will come back together when we are able to? I know it's really hard, but I also just think being able to go through the cycle with a friend makes you realize that it's natural and that just because you're in a period where maybe you're not able to give as much to that relationship that it won't go back and kind of pick back up at some point but also knowing your standards and your boundaries and knowing that if you really are not getting what you need from a friendship that it's okay to communicate that especially if it's been like a prolonged experience of feeling neglected or you know watching someone invest into something else that they're not even remotely investing into you I think that's okay and This is also why I think it helps to have a diversity of connections is some are going to ebb and flow, but your needs will still be met because you have that foundation of different connections. Okay, I am going to read one last one. This one's interesting. And it says about female friendship, how dispute between friends make friendships even stronger about toxicity in friendship and how sometimes women do not support women and they let their insecurities project on each other. So first of all, and this is nothing against this specific comment because I do understand where it's coming from and I do get it. I think the narrative that female friendships can be extremely toxic is just not helpful. And I think that it it continues to perpetuate this idea that women can be so cutthroat to each other, etc. Which I get it, people can be cutthroat to each other. But I think we have to consider why that is and why as women we do feel so pitted against each other. And I think that's just a bigger conversation to be had that I don't really know the answer to. But whenever I hear, not that this person said this, but it just got me thinking about this seemingly common narrative that women have the capacity to be so toxic to each other and that female friendships have the capacity to be so toxic. I just always think about, number one, what is that accomplishing to push that narrative? And number two, if that's true, what is the underlying reason? Where are we all operating from? If we are operating from a place of woundedness, what is that wound? Why do we feel like there's not enough space for women to succeed, to be supportive for each other, to want the best for one another, to not feel like we have to be always competing? Why is that? And where does that stem from? Because I think continuing to push the narrative that women are toxic towards each other just, it doesn't help solve that underlying wound of, I think, why that is. And I guess personal, my personal theory is that we're seemingly all competing for like male attention and just like social ranking I think it's a completely natural human thing to want to be accepted and to want to be well liked and for other people to like us and I think unfortunately the mechanism that many of us not just women have 
felt is the best way to achieve that social ranking is to knock other people down. And I think, again, this comes from a lack mindset. I think I probably talked about this in the previous friendship episode, which is that if you've ever felt a sense of lack with relation to friendship and social acceptance, meaning that if you've ever been excluded, if you've ever felt on the outskirts, if you've ever not felt accepted, my personal narrative seemed to be that that meant that there was only so much room for people to be included in a social circle. What stemmed from this was myself excluding other people, first of all, once I did achieve a certain level of social ranking or feeling like I had to exclude other people because there's not enough room. And number two, feeling a great deal of anxiety in maintaining that social standing because you know, if you do one wrong thing, you're kicked out of the group, etc. I think that's really sad that we feel that way. I think that's sad that I've felt that way in the past because first of all, I think that breeds toxic behavior and I want to be toxic. It's like the classic hurt people hurt people saying if we feel that there's not enough space because maybe we've been pushed out of the circle in the past, how are we going to behave towards other people who are trying to be included? And You know, I really don't think that that was the focus of the person's question, but this is where my mind is going, is I think that there are larger conversations that need to be had about this idea that women and female friendships can be toxic. I'm not saying that that's not true. I know that any friendship, the risk that we take on is that it can be hurtful, it can be painful, and, you know, people can be hurtful, people can be mean, we can all have moments of weakness we can all be hurtful towards one another we all have the capacity to do that but I think rather than you know generalizing that behavior as saying that well you know women and female friendships are just toxic I think that we just need to address I guess first within ourselves I'm only speaking to myself here in saying, you know, why do I have this narrative that there's only so much space? Or why do I feel this jealousy towards a friend who's succeeding? Where does that come from? How can I shift that? And for me, that really all starts from addressing that within myself, trying not to engage in that type of conversation. And that can be challenging. And recognizing within your own friendship circle those behaviors And seeing if there's an opportunity to just communicate and be honest about how we're feeling. Because I think a lot of these behaviors, whether it's jealousy or judgment or gossip or whatever it may be, they're very human and they're often very, like they're coming from a place of maybe having been hurt in the past. And what would it be like if we could just be honest about that? I think the way that I want to conclude this episode is to reflect on another comment that came up quite a bit, which was just that friendships are hard. And my reaction to that comment is, well, again, I understand where it's coming from, but I kind of for myself have wanted to move away from thinking in that way as well as move away from you know just saying that in general because it doesn't feel valuable to me to say like friendship is hard or marriage is hard 
it it like if I'm being honest as a human it doesn't make me want to go into that area of life I think I naturally gravitate towards things that are easy towards things that are pleasant towards things that are enjoyable and my relationship with things that are difficult I think that you know of course things are difficult to navigate. Of course everything in life is nuanced. But I think that when we just like broad brush, I don't, I never know what like these sayings are. When we take a broad brush and just paint everything with one narrative, like marriage is hard. Okay, why would I want to do that then? How about we focus on how nourishing friendship can be? How valuable friendship can be? How, yes, it is hard at sometimes. It is hard to communicate our feelings, to be vulnerable, etc. But like to focus on what the benefit of that difficulty is, what the benefit of learning to be open with people, to be vulnerable with people. Because if I just hear something is hard and I don't have a full understanding of the full picture of how nourishing something can be to my life, what reason would I have to engage with that? And I think sometimes I hear that about a lot of areas, friendship being one of them. And hopefully these conversations help to kind of dispel that because my whole realization in the last few years is just how important friendship really is and community and connection. It's basically just everything to me. I've realized that. So that is the episode. We covered a lot of territory here. I hope that you enjoyed I'm going to enjoy the rest of this beautiful spring day. I hope that you enjoy the rest of yours and I'll see you in next week's episode. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.